So, hello everyone and welcome to another session where we're going to be talking about health and well-being for mothers. Have you ever been in a situation whereby you've thought about, oh gosh, I don't have enough money or maybe um, your children ask you, mommy, I want to get this and you're like, no, I don't want to get that for you because I can't afford it. Or maybe you just feel guilty because of the lack of finances available for getting the things you want. That's why we're going to talk about finances today. It is part of our well-being as mothers. I am Dr. Dini. I'm the award-winning mom empowerment coach. I'm a family doctor, international speaker, and the host on the Wellbeing for Mothers show. And today I am coming to you with a very special guest, Kristen Tolmis. She is an established multi-award-winning business owner and financial planner. She's got multiple businesses that talks about education for people, about finances, and she's the best person to go to when it comes to getting to know about your finances and making the right plan. So thank you so much, Kristen, for joining us today. And I look forward to hearing all the amazing nuggets you would like to share with us today. Thank you for having me. Super. So... First of all, I'd like to find out, how, how did you start your journey on financial um, education and planning? Yeah, so um, purely by chance, I think. Um, when I was growing up, I didn't know what financial advice was. Um, I just knew we didn't have any money. <laughs> that was all I knew about money <laughs> as a child. Um, but I I think it was the universe sending me to um, to find out what financial planning was all about. And I started work um, as an administrative assistant in a financial planning office and just fell in love with the whole concept of financial services and financial planning and what it could do for people and, and the opportunities that it gave me as well um, as, a, as a young woman. Um, I was a trainee for three years and then I had my daughter just as I qualified um, and as a career option for what I was then was a single mum was amazing it, you know really fantastic um, but it changed my mindset about money and finances and and what it means and what the financial system in the UK is all about and just felt completely um empowered but but like just I feel now that this was my calling this is what I'm here to do like I do this is this is my purpose in life is to help people understand the knowledge that I know changed my life Mm. oh wow that is such a beautiful (laughs) and powerful purpose and and just wondering because I know money is something that many people don't talk about. I don't know when the last time you talked with your family you saw that like, okay, let's talk about money. When you hear money, everybody runs away. Like, no, 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 no. Rather talk about the weather, right? <laughs> but yeah, money. No, we don't. So well, why do you think that people are a bit worried about or maybe scared or mm. reluctant to talk mm. about money? Yeah, I think different cultures will be different, I have to say. Mm. Um, but I think in the UK, certainly, it's not the done thing. Um, I think it's seen as quite obscene to mm. talk about money. I think if you have money and then you talk about it, are pe- do people feel that you are bragging somehow by talking about money? Um a lot of people, particularly of an older generation, feel it's private. That's mm. like private, confidential knowledge that you shouldn't be talking about. Um, 
And I've said before, you know, one of the things that I always say, like, you're more likely to know someone's sexual orientation than you are to know, like, how much money that they earn, um, which is a funny concept <laughs> um, when we're talking about things staying private. Um, but we see a lot, even in organizations, you will not know what your colleague is earning. Now, if you go to America, for example, one of the first questions somebody will ask you who they've only just met is, you know, what do you do as a job and what does it pay you? You know, they're really quite open about it. And yet in the UK, we would maybe feel that that was a little ostentatious. That's a little bit like we don't do that kind of thing. Um, but conversation about money can happen without divulging the, the details of what you've got in your bank account. Um, Definitely. And a lot of the sessions that we do as um, Red Star Education does not ask people what they earn or what their savings are or what their indebtedness is, because the concepts of how money works, that bit actually doesn't matter. But I think that if people don't understand what financial education is, they're scared to have the conversation at all. And then it boils down to, so do I then have to be talking to people about how much money I have or I don't have? Mm-hmm. Well, no, we're talking about a completely different thing. And I will say at this point as well, the financial education is not maths. Okay, I'm going to say that. I'm going to put that out there. It is not maths because there's so many people who who are challenged by mathematics Um And I think that that becomes a barrier then to learning about these things. But think about it. Is the way that car finance works out and the premium and what is covered and what you're not covered for? Tell me which bit of that is to do with maths. None of it. But that's a very integral part of financial education, in in our opinion, because Anybody who's driving a vehicle is going to be impacted by car insurance. So I think there's a number of of barriers to why people don't want to investigate a conversation about finances. And and hopefully today this is going to help your your listeners to understand um, the truth of it and take away some of those myths. Mm. Um, because the conversation about money is huge and it can be interesting and varies and people actually just come out of it feeling really empowered. There's nothing to be scared of. There's no taboo subjects, but it doesn't necessarily mean we all have to be um, showing each other our credit card statements either. <laughs> that is heaven <laughs> forbid. <laughs> Oh God, I absolutely love that. Yes, we do need to tell, talk about and plan finances and be educated about it. And that's why it's so important. I love that you shared how important it is for us to do that. And so, of course, now that we know how important financial education is, how do we then go ahead and build a financial plan for ourselves? I think that a lot of people feel that they don't need to do any planning if they haven't got a lot of wealth Mm. Um, and that it's only wealthy people who would use somebody like a financial planner. Um, Again, both of those things are not actually true. Um, So as an independent financial advisor, I have clients through a huge spectrum of different careers and backgrounds and different reasons why people come for help. But often they know that they need advice. So you will turn to a financial advisor when you know that there is something that you need help or, or support on. 
And for a lot of people, the day-to-day running of your finances probably doesn't need a financial advisor to do it. We're probably, you know, a, a long way off needing to get there. But that doesn't mean to say that you can't be your own financial planner, which you absolutely can. Um, and I think, especially if you're running a household and, you know, you may be working and children and this and that, dogs and cats and all these kind of things that are going on. Sitting down and actually making a financial plan may seem overwhelming. It may seem terrifying. Let's be honest, it probably feels like the most boring job in the world. I'm going to say it. Um, But there was um, some research done that if you were to take the average family household and spend a day going through the finances, getting rid of subscriptions you don't need, stopping paying for things you don't need, redoing things like car insurance, house insurance, etc. The average family could save £2,000 a year. Now, I wouldn't mind being paid £2,000 a day. Okay, I really wouldn't mind that at all. Uh, if anyone wants to pay me £2,000 a day, you let me know. Um, <laughs> But we don't do it. Apathy, but for some part, feeling like, as I say, it's quite overwhelming for another. But actually, to start looking at your money um, as a tool rather than as something to be frightened of, I, I think is is a change of mindset. Um, we have a saying within Red Star Education that you should give every pound a purpose. Mm. And it doesn't matter what that purpose is. But know where your money is going. And so many of us do not know where our money is going. We know about our headlines. We know how much the mortgage is and maybe the car and the insurance and, and you know, utility bills. But think about your life. Think about each and every time you have to spend money. And that can be anything from children going to, to each other's parties you know like, are you going to buy a gift and if you are how much is that gonna, gift going to be even if you're only going to spend 10 pounds if your child is going to 20 different parties that's a lot of money isn't it yeah. you know the activities my daughter is a footballer so um you know it's the kit it's the the tournament fee and you know whatever else it is if they're doing two or three different you've got a talented child they <laughs> are <laughs> But it's all of those additional costs that, that often don't appear on any kind of written financial plan. Um, they just don't because we don't think about them. So what I encourage um, people to do when they want to start looking at their finances and saying, I'm going to build my own financial plan, is to know where you are right now. Um, it's a cliche, but you can't plan where you're going to get to if you don't know where you're starting from. So when we're looking at building our plan, um, the thing to do is is to look where your finances are right now. And one of the tendencies we have, particularly if we feel that um, we're not doing things in the right way, I try and avoid right and wrong, um, good and bad, with because language is so important. And especially around money, 
people say, oh, I'm really bad with money. I mean, what does that mean? I'm really good with money. Well, what's good? Like, on, on, on whose level are you good or bad? So I try to avoid those things. But if we look at where we are right now, we need to look at where we are right now. And if we know we are overspending on a certain area, we need to put that down because it's only by looking at exactly where you are now can you make a, a true judgment on what needs to change, what you would like to be done differently. Mm. Um, And that way we can start to allocate our money to the areas that we want to see grow and and improve. And that might be only a really small amount of money is able to be allocated to, say, future planning. But the empowerment that you get from knowing that you are doing something um, is huge. It breeds its own level of positivity by taking action. A lot of the time about finances, we think we'll just ignore it because there's nothing that we can do. I don't believe for the vast majority of us, there's absolutely nothing that you can do. And I appreciate that there are some people in very challenging financial situations. But for for most of us, there will be changes that can be made that would improve our, our financial situation. Um and our understanding about where we are at this point in time. So a very detailed financial plan to start off with. Where is all of your money going? What are the things that you know you have to be committed to? Um, we were talking just about Christmas. Yes. And I was saying that I hear all the time, oh, it's Christmas next month. Yeah. Same time every year, people. Christmas happens in December every year. Why are you shocked? Um, so if you know that you're going to spend gifts at Christmas time, and A, I would ask you, do you really need to buy a gift? Do you really need to? Are you buying a gift for your friend's child and they're going to buy one of equal value back for your child? Like, is that necessary? Could we not say, you know what, here's a little voucher for a play date and we're all going to go out and we're going to spend time. Mm. And maybe it's my age, but now I've discovered that time and and love and support is not money. It isn't. And it isn't a substitute for it either. So but if you know what you're going to spend at Christmas, then then divide it by 11, not 12. Divide it by 11. And that's how much money you should put away each and every month. By the time the end of November comes, you will have money for Christmas. Oh, wow. Now, that is amazing. <laughs> Such a very useful tip that we can use from now. Well, whenever you're listening to this, just start counting. Just yeah. make sure that you factor that in if you want that, you know, celebrate Christmas with lots of gifts and ask yourself those very important questions as well. Mm. Uh, I love the fact that you mentioned your money has a purpose. It needs to have a purpose. And so what's your money doing? Is every penny, every cent, because of course we've got listeners from all over the world, every bit of your money, is it having a purpose? Is it, is it doing something for you now? Or is it helping to prepare your future? So think about that. But then, now that we're talking about future plans, I'm just wondering. Of course, we are all, you know, carers of people. We take care of our children and we're very proficient in our work and business and we're so busy. But, How do we tell our children about money? How do we talk to them about money? How do we prepare them for this kind of conversation we are having right now? Yeah, I think we are probably already giving our children messages about money. We just might not be aware of it. So 
your idea of what money is about and your money narrative, the stories you tell yourself, the beliefs that you have, have generally been formed by the time you're seven years of age. So we, by the time we're seven, we've kind of got an idea already. We've learned that from our family environment. So it might not seem obvious, but little comments that get made, um, money doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you've got to work hard for your money. Um, you know, saving for a rainy day, things like that. Um, these are beliefs that we put into our children and they do come from a place of love. Mm. Um, and they're very often things that maybe your grandparents have said. Um, but, but certainly in the UK, my grandparents generation lived through a lot of scarcity. You know, there was the war on and, and, you know, foods was rationed and, and so on. And so, yeah, for a lot of that generation, you, you did have to, to keep money to one side and it was there for a rainy day. It was there for the emergency. Well, actually, as financial planners, we would say, yeah, to have an emergency fund is a good idea. Yeah. So, so yes, in its core, that, that's a good idea to, to feel like that. However, if that is reinforced too much mm. and you end up with a belief that money is only for the rainy day, then we don't get to enjoy any sunshine because no. we're putting all of our money away for the time when disaster hits, which is great. If there's a disaster, mm. but what if there isn't? What if we just want to do nice things and actually we start to feel a huge amount of guilt or worry about spending our money? Mm. So any of these stories that we tell and these comments that we say, it would be really interesting, I think, to catch yourself and think, what does that mean as a positive mm. But what could it mean if it were a challenge? Mm. Because some things, all things, when it comes to money, if we do them too much, will become a challenge. Yeah. Um, my personality around money, you probably will not be surprised to know, is as a planner. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, as a financial planner, you would hope that I would be. And um, however, if you take that too far, um, planners sometimes are in danger of not being able to live in the moment of not being able to be spontaneous and saying come on let's just go out for the day and and have fun because it's not in the plan mm. so again yeah planning is great i have budgets i know you know what holidays in the future the family can afford and i have my pension and da -da -da -da, as you would imagine i would um Fortunately, I'm married to somebody who, um, who is probably more spontaneous when it comes to money. And that helps us to, to balance in our relationship. Because if you go too far one way, even though it's got some, in inverted commas, good traits, it can present a challenge. And I do find that in relationships, this idea of different money narratives um can create challenge within a relationship. And some of your your listeners may well um, be sat there thinking, mm -hmm, I know I'm one thing and I know that my husband's wife, whatever, is, is something else. Yeah. Um, because if you have somebody who is at opposite ends of those scales, then, of course, it's going to um, create fiction in the middle. 
But being able to say, why do you think that? Why do you feel that, you know, you shouldn't spend money or money is there to, to be frivolous with or whatever? Why? Why do you feel like that? And I can almost guarantee it will be something they heard as a child. 99% certain because our children are absorbing this thing. So when we're looking at how do we approach this with our children? I think we need to have a little look in the mirror first to ourselves or our own finances. What do we believe about money? Why are we reluctant to talk about it? If your child came to you and said, I would like the latest iPhone, it's £500, please can I have it? And and your thought would be, no, we can't afford that. But I don't want to tell my child we can't afford it. That's not your child's fault. That's That's something with you. Why don't you want to say that? So I think there's some work to do there first and then to look at, okay, how am I going to do this conversation with my little people? Mm. How am I going to start that um, environment that it is okay to talk about money? Oh, wow. Yeah, that is so good. So, so good. I hope you were able to take some uh, nuggets from that. And, uh, and you know, the first time I met um, Kristen, we had uh, a networking event and we all did this activity. And that when she was talking about her being a planner, everybody else had their own different bits and bobs. I, I had uh, like it's almost like a skill. I was into the saver. And I remember when I was growing up, my siblings used to call me the miser. Because I kept money. I mean, I would keep, I would not spend. But as life happened to me, I adopted this thing. You only live once unless you're James Bond when you live twice. So <laughs> spend the money. <laughs> so that kind of created a bit of a balance for me. But if you're lucky like Kristen and you've got a partner who ha- kind of balances your own um, narrative of finances, that is such a gift. So uh, thank you so much for oh, sharing you're so that. Welcome. <laughs> and um, I mean, Kristen, she's a fount of knowledge, and she has a lot to offer. Um, her organization is called Red Star Education, and what they do is they educate you financially. So I'd love for you to connect with her. I'll put all her details in the show notes. As a matter of fact, she's also giving us a gift. See, isn't that so generous? <laughs> so she's given us a gift and lovely resources in that link, which I will also put in there as well. Mm-hmm.